Pain. Hello. Can you hear Hello? me? Can you hear me? Yep. Success. Ah. You did it. It worked. Am I coming in loud and clear? <clears throat> oh. That's better. Oh. Am I, am I, yep. Sound good? Yeah. Might have to try and edit That's this good. bit. Might have to try and, try and edit this <clears throat> bit out. It's okay. Or not. <laughs> 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 Sorry, lung butter. Ah. Lovely. So, are we going right. for the, uh, what we discussed earlier, the movie that changed my life? Yeah. We could, even, um, we could actually call it that, couldn't we? We'll call this podcast, yeah. you know, the uh, the movie that changed my life. I sp- okay. Juice ourselves first for the, for the, uh, for the audience at home. Okay, the, you go the first. The adoring audience. <clears throat> Well, um, my name is Ashley Beeching, and on my Facebook page, I am quoted as saying I'm a professional dreamer and renaissance man, so <laughs> take from that what you will. But also into nerd culture, geeky stuff, films, music, you know, the lot. What about you, sir? Well, <clears throat> uh, my name's Kelvin Millen, uh, sometimes known as Melvin. I can vouch for that. Or Millie. Um, I don't really know what I am at the moment, but um, I... You're a walrus. Yeah. I tried to... I'm a walrus, yeah. Yeah. That'll do. That'll do, innit? That covers a multitude of sins, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Make of that what you will. Exactly. Maybe a a, a nice earthen jar or, or a woven basket. Yeah. I like that. I hope you don't mind, but I'm just going to eat a banana because I'm hoping it'll give me a bit of brain, brain power. Oh, it's slightly phallic. It, well, it's very phallic. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Indeed, it might I've inspire me. Image. I've got an image that I can't get out of my head now. I'm sure everyone's got that image now. But but I but, but please, I just want to reassure people: I'm actually eating the banana. <laughs> I'm not inserting it anywhere where it shouldn't belong. Only the cake hole. <laughs> so yeah i thought um yeah well i mean i liked your i liked your initial the uh your, your idea for the movie that changed your life so why don't you why don't you open the proceedings melvin all right um yeah so and i can chip in with irrelevant uh what, what did i say irreverent or irrelevant Whatever you prefer, amusings on what you're saying. Okay, that's it. Um, because this is like, well, just to let everyone know, this is kind of our first podcast, isn't it? It is. So yeah, this is yeah, virgin virgin territory for both Very of much us. So, so be prepared for utter ineptitude, basically. Yeah. So we've never done anything like this before. We don't normally um, even communicate with each other when we're together. No, <laughs> let alone on the internet or wherever. It's usually, yeah, a few grunts. Yeah, and... if you're lucky. Yeah. I so really, you should be privileged to be able to do this. We're actually trying to communicate with um, not just each other, but other people. Other, other human beings. Not, not exclusively human beings. 
No. I mean, it could be animals. I don't know. If a, if a cat or a dog enjoys what it hears, I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, I've got a cat here with me now. So, uh, yeah. um, so a captive audience, literally. Maybe a goldfish. I don't know, but they've only got uh, a short attention. Is it a three, three second memory? Yeah. So well, that's that, that attention span is probably the average cinema guy these days. So yeah, you know, got something in common. If, yeah. if Michael Bay films are anything to go by, anyway. Is oh, he still making films? I don't know. Opened already with a controversial comment. <laughs> yeah, he's still making films, unfortunately. Ah. Yeah. What was his last? Opus. It was a Transformers movie. I think that's all he's making now. I think he's going to do another one. Thank God uh, for that, eh? Holy Christ, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I've... Thankfully, I've not seen any of those. I, I can, so. I can. My claim, well, it's not a claim to fame, but my claim is I saw one, and that was more than enough. Thank you very much. Mm. And I, I think and I've, I've caught was... bits of them on TV. That I mean, I remember one. I can't remember what episode, you know, what number it was, but it, for, to me, it was utterly incomprehensible. Mm. So I don't know. It, I just couldn't understand what was going on. Maybe that's an maybe that's an age thing. Possibly, it just seemed to be things blowing up um, every quarter of an hour and interspersed with like a bit of banal, inane dialogue. I think people like blow things blowing up, don't they? I think they do. Big explosions. I guess if this millennia has anything, you know, if if millions or thousands of years time in the future, people look back whatever race exists then they'll look back and they'll see that the the sort of noughties as the generation of things blowing up i imagine mm. so i learned that, um uh we're digressing that. that's all right isn't it sorry we're digressing but that's all right isn't it i learned today that um there were there has been so far seven fast and furious oh films and that um, in the course of those seven films, 1,000 cars have been destroyed. Real cars or like CGI cars? Real cars, yeah. Real cars. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's another what? franchise that I've never seen a film of. Yeah, I saw the first one and that was more than enough. Oh, I tell a lie. I think I caught 20 minutes of one called Tokyo Drift that had none of the famous, you know, it didn't have... Is it was is the rock in it? Is the rock in it? Vin Diesel, isn't it? Is it? I get it mixed up. The rock and Vin Diesel. I'm sure the rock's <laughs> in one as well, isn't he? Possibly. Well, it had none of the famous car. You know, the Chris. What was he? Was he Chris Walker, the guy who died in a in a car? Oh car, yeah. Ironically. Um, yeah. It had none of them in it. It was like a really cheap knockoff, but it was still part of the franchise, and it had some sort of, uh, you know, sort of empty headed pretty boy was the was the hero and he went to Tokyo mm. so they obviously got a bit of like a bit of Japanese money to, to film it in Japan. So um anyway it was it was awful what I saw of it. Mm. It was just like yeah. a, a car pornography really. Yeah. But there you go. Not not for me. Yeah. They're examples of films that won't change your life. Or if they do um well they'll waste your life. In what way? They'll waste, they'll waste your life because you'll spend two hours watching it when you could have been doing something far more meaningful. 
that's another podcast. Uh, <laughs> films, films where I feel like I've wasted my life. Yeah, well, I think it. we are going to have one, aren't we? Is it, uh, have we given it a name yet? It wasn't it like the, just the rant. Yeah. We're going to have a <clears> rant or a film we despise that we're just going to lay into. Yeah, there's plenty of those, isn't there? Without mercy. So anyway, um, drawing it back to um, the films that changed my life. So we're going to talk about, hopefully, good films now, not really shitty CGI fests. Go for it. Okay, so the film, when you said about that, the film that first came to my mind was um, a film called Meantime, by, directed by Mike Lee and starring uh, Gary Oldman and Tim Roth and Phil Daniels um, that I saw and you saw at the same time um, when we were we were studying drama at uh, college. Um, it was shown to us by our lecturer, Paddy Goymore, who is no longer with us, unfortunately. Best in peace. Uh, Best in peace. Yeah. Who... Uh, yeah, so that that was like a sort of a, a game changer for me because um, I'd never seen anything sort of remotely like that. And it was a different style of filmmaking. It was um, really real, really sort of gritty, grim. Um, and the, the acting sort of was just like, I'd never seen anything like it, sort of, and Gary Oldman sort of inspired me uh, to want to act, basically. Would you um, go Would you go as far as to say it was an epoch moment for you, a, a sort of defining moment? Yeah. Yeah, it sort of opened my eyes to sort of another sort of dimension of... Yeah. Like, you know, the... Yeah, I, I just never seen anything like it and it was just like it really sort of uh hit me um when i saw it um it's a very powerful if anyone who hasn't seen it it's a very powerful film isn't it yeah i guess it fits yeah. in the genre of social realism i guess if we're going to categorize yeah. it for people who haven't seen it yeah and if you don't know anything about like mike lee or the way he works um basically he doesn't have a script and the the actors sort of improvise the film, basically. Yeah, it's very improv. And, They're very improv developed, aren't they? His um, scripts, yeah. Collaborations. You could say it, it's bordering on pretentious, like the way that he works, um, like because the uh, I believe that the the actors like don't know anything about like the. The character, you know, they're they're sort of introduced as they would be in real life, and uh, they just live. They just inhabit those characters, and um, I think I watched an Alan Yentob documentary about him, right? Because he was just, um, and they were going into his into Mike Lee's process. I can't remember what film he was having out at the time. Yeah, uh, it might have been the one about. He, didn't he do one about an artist that, that had Timothy Spall? Oh, in yeah, it? Turner. Turner. Yeah, with uh, Timothy Spall. Yeah. Did I, did I say Timothy Spall? But yeah, yeah. It was um, it was Turner. He, I think that was what he was promoting. But 
they went back, they looked back at his career as well and talked about his right. his process. And they talked to, they spoke to actors and actresses about being part of that sort of ensemble. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, I think a lot of his later stuff hasn't been that good, but like a lot of his early stuff was really interesting. Like you know, Nuts in May, that was another good one. Yeah, Naked. Yep, Naked. I yeah, think he was good. kind of that. The earlier stuff, he, there was. I mean, maybe it's the same with every artist who, who, as they get older, they mellow a bit. But there was a lot more anger to his stuff. The earlier stuff wasn't there really. Yeah, there's a lot more sort of social comment, wasn't there? And yeah, like, sort yeah. Of, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I suppose you could say he's sort of in the similar mould to Ken Loach. Yeah. But I never really liked Ken Loach. I thought Ken Loach was a bit more political. and. Uh, yeah, his stuff know, was his... kind of more, um, it was sort of more polemic. And if you like, um, the message was more in your face, wasn't it? The political. Although yeah. I did like um, the recent one he did, I, Daniel Blake. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I just think that was really good. That was a that that sort of got the balance of political diatribe and you know heartfelt drama. It kind of got the um, the balance right, which <clears throat> um, some of his stuff maybe didn't always do. But um, but yeah, I suppose you'd put him in that. That was the the same sort of um, they they were in the same sort of peer group, weren't they? Really, I guess. Yeah, yeah. but I, I I'm. I don't know whether Mike Lee was interested in being political. He was more just, I don't know. I don't know really. Seems like he's more interested in people, I'd say. Yeah. People's motivations. <clears throat> yeah. And he, you know, he always seemed like, you know, it was more of a collaboration, you know, with the actors rather than like a lot of directors, um, uh, they just move the actors around like their sort of uh, chess pieces. Yeah. But he sort of gave the actors license to create these characters. Yeah, you do get the impression, don't you, that unlike someone like maybe Hitchcock, who didn't they always attribute him with saying that actors are like cattle or something? Yeah. That he actually yeah. enjoyed being around actors, Mike Lee does. Yeah, and seeing them create being creative and yeah. like sort of uh, improvising and just let let them do what they they can do and uh well in that film particularly i i think like all the performances um uh you know they they showed sort of what they could what they could yeah, do yeah they were top notch um, the top notch performances yeah. yeah it just made me want to sort of uh, try and do some of that, and I think what, uh, like you were saying, I mean, obviously we watched it kind of together when we, when it was when our drama teacher showed it, and I think that's exactly what you say. Probably more than what the film was about, it was the performances to me that because you know when you've been used to a diet of Hollywood movies, which probably we had been up to then, and, and not that there's anything wrong in that, but that kind of hyper reality type stuff. Um, the escapist kind of Hollywood stuff, which is good, but I mean, you know, it's, it's got its place as well. But I think with with this, it kind of spoke to us as sort of uh, British kids, really, didn't it? Yeah, and it was a it was not a million miles from, although like it was like in a city. Mm, yeah, um, 
it was like sort of working class. Yes, exactly. Yeah, people. We could relate to and it. It was like, relatable, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, you might know some of those people. Yeah, you probably did, and, and I'm, I know. Growing up, I, I, you know, like skin because it's you know we should perhaps say that um, Gary Ullman's character is sort of like a drunken, yobbish skinhead. Mm. And um, I, I'm sure for you, and same for me, growing up mm. in like the the late seventies, early eighties, you yeah, you know you mingled with people like that, didn't you? Yeah, and you you had experiences of like uh, unemployment and yeah, you know council estates. You know, I grew up on a council estate, although not a not a grotty, not a really grotty, horrible one, um, but you know. And everyone, you know, we, we must have known at least one person with an anarchist symbol on their on, on their denim jacket. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew sort of skinheads. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Like, you know, sniffing glue yeah. and stuff. I, having, a, having a crafty fag, you know, like when you shouldn't. Yeah, and, you know, and a, all that sort of bottle of white so, lightning. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't a million miles from... Well, I know, sort of thing. So that's the kind of character um, Gary Ullman plays, isn't it? Like a sort of skinhead, yobbo type. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's just really kind of lost and doesn't really have any direction in life and just kicks about, like, you know, terrorising people and, you know, just getting drunk and just messing about. Yeah. Smashing stuff up, like phone boxes and, you know, bus stations and stuff, bus shelters. That's it. Mm. And Tim Roth's character is sort of, well, how would you describe his character? Well, what's the PC term? I, I guess intellectually challenged. Yeah. Is that the is that the is that is that allowed to say that nowadays? Learning difficulties. Or... Yeah, yeah, definitely. He he's you know he the character certainly exhibits that kind of behaviour, doesn't he? Yeah. And, yeah, a, and of course, and he's a magnet for bullying and, you know. Um, which Gary is, he does a bit, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely, definitely bullying. And again, I think, uh, you know, we, as in at school, you knew people like that who perhaps weren't always the brightest spark and, and they, they were a magnet for bullies and, and exploitation, weren't they? They're vulnerable, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you've got um, Phil Daniels' character, who's like Tim Roth's character's brother. Yeah. And he's like a very sort of... Um, um, well, he's just angry, and, isn't he? Yeah, he's really angry about everything, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> everything, yeah. Yeah. You know, his, his lack of employment prospects is... He's, he's, uh, he resents his parents because he just sees them as, you know, old fossils. Yeah, he hates his dad, doesn't he? Yeah. And, but I think there's probably part of him that thinks I'm going to end up. He's angry because he he thinks I'm. going well, to Well, you up could almost like... I you know you you almost think maybe if they ever did a sequel, say they did a film like you know thirty years after, um, that that he that's he could have actually been ended up just like his dad, couldn't he? And, yeah. and it's almost like what they tried to do with Train Spotting too, maybe. But I mean, you can you you could envisage if you know. It would have been a bad idea to do that, but I mean, because it's a very self-contained film. But you can imagine how those the trajectory of those characters, and you can you can imagine the Phil Daniels character just turning out just like his old man, embittered and resentful. Um, yeah, 
you know, and sort of strict and a bit of a bully and brutal as well, like, because he's sort of, he's quite, you know, aggressive towards his children, isn't he? And so, yeah, you could just imagine how he turns up. And that, like you said, that he probably resents that even more, that that's he, the inevitability of how he's going to end up. Mm. But I agree with what you say, Mill. Like watching, watching stuff like that, I mean, that was that to me, like yourself, I, I, I would say, that it showed the, what the potential of performance and acting and, you know, what um, a film can do sort of thing. How it can make you feel, yeah. how it can make you, how it can inspire you, because that, like yourself, I found that very inspirational. That, uh, um, yeah. meantime, I'm sure, I'm sure some people probably sort of watch it and think, oh, it's really boring, not a lot happens. Yeah, why well, do it's I need like to watch really... a film like that? Because I can just look out the window and, you know, yeah. that's just like my mates down the pub, or that's just. You know that's my that's my street. So what's the point? You know, I want escapism. I want Fast and Furious twenty six. Yeah, I don't want real life. But you know, that's, that's depressing. But it, yeah, it said something to me at that at that time. Definitely, yeah, especially when you're that I age. Watched, I haven't watched it for a long time, but I'm sure, like, you know, I'd still like it. Oh yeah, I, I did Probably. watch it a few years back again, and it still has the power to, you know, provoke you and yeah. make you angry, make you, and you know, we must also say some of it is hilariously funny as well. Yeah, it's not all like dour yeah. kind of doom and gloom. It is some of it is, you know, side-splittingly hilarious. Yeah, that's why I liked it as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's got a lot, yeah. a lot of moments of comedy as you it? have in real life you know there's moments of like you know tragedy and you know desperation and depression and then you do have like moments of comedy that sort of come out of that situation don't you yeah so it is almost a black comedy in a in a, in a sense to a degree uh, but and it did uh, there was a, a i can't completely remember but there's a moment where Tim Roth's character actually does sort of stand up for himself and, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, He's not completely like a passive, weak character, is he? No. You know, they're not. I mean, that's so, the thing. They, they, they are. You could say, you could argue that, you know, um, oh, and it sounds like these characters are kind of stereotypes, but um, they are pretty well rounded. Although, I mean, I don't, you know, without getting into all of Mike Lee's sort of output, um well, you know, you may disagree with this, but you 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 can say you can you can disagree with me and or convince me, try and convince me otherwise. But um, I always find Mightley. I love his stuff, not so much the perhaps his newer stuff. He does. He seems to be doing a lot of sort of um, biographical things now that that don't really interest me so much. Didn't he do something about like the Pirates of Penzance? Didn't he do something about them? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I didn't see no, that. it doesn't really interest me that that sort of stuff. Um, but um, that he's and I don't know if he does it. I'm sure. He, I mean, it must be deliberate. He's a smart guy, but he always seems to insert in all his films the ones I've seen anyway. I haven't seen the, some of the newer stuff, but there always seems to be a real cliched stereotype character. Mm. Um, and the 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 one that springs to mind. I mean, I don't know if he does this deliberately or whether it's for contrast or whether it's just a. It's like um a. a a shtick that he's got or whatever. But in the meantime, it's the, it's the hippie kind of hippie dippy uh, social oh, worker. Social worker. 
And that guy, re- yeah. that guy repri- reprised the, well, he didn't reprise the role, but he was in Naked as well, wasn't he? That's right, yeah. Wasn't, wasn't he like, um, oh, didn't he, um, this what, was he in, what was he in Naked? I'm not sure. Wasn't he a security guard or something? That's what I thought. Yeah. Did you say security guard? Sorry. <laughs> That's what sorry, I. Yeah, I you thought. cut out there. That's what. It, um, yeah. So, and he was a bit of a stereotype character as well. I thought in Naked. And mm-hmm. just just to people who haven't seen Naked, that's another sort of social real realistic kind of drama. That's yeah. That's very, very grim, isn't that's it? That's even right. grimmer. Yeah. That's David. David Thewlis is in that, isn't he? And he's another really yeah, angry good. young man, isn't he? Just angry with society. Yeah. And ultimately, he, ultimately, he's angry with himself as well, isn't he? Yeah. Didn't he? He basically he raped someone, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's why he's he's kind of run, doesn't he run away to London because he's he's up for a rape charge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's like really so, I mean, sort of he's really misogynistic, and you know he sort of treats women like you know like dirt, really, doesn't he? And his idea of life, like his theories on sort of, he has all these theories, doesn't he? Like about um, barcodes. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Um, like six 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 is six 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 in the in the barcode. I remember. Yeah, that. There's, a, there's a bit of a tin full hat sort of brigade yeah. sensibility about him, isn't there? He's really um, intelligent, though, isn't he? Y- yes, that's it. Yeah, of... he's well read, isn't he? He's well read. Yeah. But he's just sort of he's just sort of regaling against society, isn't he? Like you know the norms and yeah. But that's that's definitely one to worth that's worth watching if you want to if you want sort of mightily is sort of grimmest and most social realistic, then go for naked and mean. Yeah, I was definitely. There is um, yeah, but yeah, definitely two to. There. But if anyone wants to comment on what they think of you know these films or, you know or, or just Mike Lee in general, I mean I, I'd be interested to hear about because I, I you know I'm not I've not really read any studies about his work so I, I mean I'm I'm just going by what I've seen of his films but like I say the insertion of like a sort of a slightly cliched character I wonder if that is deliberate because I thought the guy in if we're getting back to meantime the guy who was like the social worker he seemed to be coming from a different film mm. if that makes sense yeah it's sort of jarring it was bit, jarring exactly yeah because everyone else was kind of doing the whole you know method type social reality you know realism type thing and here's a guy who really stood out as like this guy's i i, I first i think i thought it was over overacting I yeah think i just thought he's a crap actor but then i wondered if it was just like deliberate like mike lee had given directions oh, i want you to be really over the top and like like a stereotype Mm. But you know, not knowing, I've heard that he, he well, I've sort of read that he gives very little sort of direction at all, really. Right, on but I may be wrong on that, I don't know. It just seems mm. like I mean, like I say, and maybe it's in my imagination, but I always the films I've seen of his, I always kind of detect there's a character who is like the, the stereotype and. Um, you know, I haven't seen all of his films by a long margin, but you know, like I say, him, that guy, the social worker in Meantime, and the same actor, funnily enough, playing the security guard in Naked. Um, 
they both kind of seem very stereotyped type characters. And I, I, I've seen other, I can't think of any other, well, like Nuts and May, I suppose you could say, I mean, some of the characters in that a little bit. Yeah, that, that's more uh, comedy, isn't it? That's more sort of, almost, they are. Almost 40 but, Towers-esque, isn't it? It's, yeah, that that's not as much realism, is it? No, you, um, yeah, well, that was a very early work of his, isn't it? I suppose he was still finding his kind of voice, as it were. But Stebman's character, she's very sort of over the yeah, top, isn't she? Very fake, superficial kind of. Yeah. You know. With, um, like Abigail's, Abigail's party. party. Yeah, yeah it, that's right. Like she, like again, like she's very over. It's more comedy, I think. Those ones, although they they still sort of have. Like uh, poignant moments. I wonder how influence because there's a bit, there's a kind of p- bit of Pinteresque, yeah, yes, tone about those early works, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sort of exaggerated characters, yeah. exaggerated. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm again. He, he sort of he was around at that time, wasn't he? So I guess he was perhaps influenced by what he saw around him. And and, and in fact, wasn't Abigail's party a play originally? Before, I the, before yeah. the BBC I film, so. I could be Possibly. wrong there. I'm sure someone will tell us if we're wrong. That's another thing. We we are we we will be wrong <laughs> about everything because. So I'm sure people will say, "No, that's that's crap." You know, that's bullshit. But we're we're we're, we're you know we're allow you to to uh, criticize. Cause... Maybe we should have a disclaimer saying like this, you know. It's our own opinion, isn't it? Really our, own... Say. our own sort of theories and impressions. On... Not no, I'm mean, sure like you, I never checker. even went back to what... I've got it on DVD somewhere, but I didn't think, oh, I'll watch it in preparation. So going from memory. No, just sort of, I don't know. Emotion yeah. memory, as the, uh, as the drama teacher used to say, as Paddy used to say. So, so yeah, can yeah. we carry on? I mean, what what sort of from that? What did you so you we you watched Meantime and it inspired you, and so do you think? You know, did it sort of open your eyes? Was it was it like a revelation, a revelatory moment? Um. Well, yeah, it was really because that inspired me to. um, Well, I explored sort of. I'd, I'd never um, seen Gary Oldman or Tim Roth in anything. So I sort of tried to seek out sort of things that they'd been in or things that they were going to be in. Um, yeah, because Oldman, Oldman so he, um, that, that was a, I don't know if that was his acting debut, but it was a very early part for him, wasn't it? And, and then, of course, he went on yeah. to. Um, I think. I'm not sure if that was his next film, but I think probably the next thing I saw him in was Sid and Nancy, probably. Yeah. And yeah, then probably the same. Was, well, he did the firm, yeah. didn't he? Do you remember Moved the firm? Hollywood and football. That's right. Yep. 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 I really I think that was his last. Really like that as UK, well. That sort of based. I mean, I know he's done stuff where he's played a British person or whatever, an Englishman, but it, that was kind of his calling card to Hollywood, wasn't it? And then he went on. 
I think that was his last thing that he ever sort of did. Certainly the last thing he ever did for TV, because that was a BBC production, wasn't it, again? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, um, we did do um, some stage. Well, was France and Gilderstein, wasn't there? Before that. Oh, yes, yeah, that was with Tim Roth, yeah. That was very good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it'd be... Uh, probably never happen now um but like it'd be good to see him sort of back on sort of doing a british sort of yeah i wonder if he, he just get um, fed up doing thing. little bit parts and well i know he did churchill and stuff but i mean recently but you know that's the other thing i, I know but you know obviously no, we're not going to talk problem. about this now but i i was just telling kelvin um a few nights back i tried to watch the hitman's bodyguard on netflix um, which I failed to do because I just sort of lost all interest in it. But I might try and watch it again just to, you know, I don't know, rile myself up or whatever, because it just seemed very kind of by-the-numbers comedy action movie. But I forgot to say to you that Gary Oldman's in it, playing like a comedy Russian. Oh, right. He likes he yeah, yeah, he's, good, um, he's kind of playing. Well, I think he's supposed Eastern. to be Russian or Eastern European at, at, at the very least, and it, he's kind of adopted the same accent he had in Air Force One. <laughs> so oh, he's yeah. playing some sort of uh, vicious despot that you know carries out executions and stuff. So you might say topical at the moment. Yeah. I don't know, but I yeah, might, I might. I just, I didn't see, I just saw him introduce and he was like talking like that. And, and, and I think he's, oh, he's brought <laughs> up to, he's, yeah, he's, he's in the Hague for war crimes or something. So he's like, you know, and then there's a big shootout. And anyway, uh, I kind of lost the interest in it, but, you know, it might be worth just to see Gary Oman do a comedy Russian accent again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe, um, one day we can do a, I could, you know, you can do your favourite actors, and I would, I would do a retrospective of uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, I was trying to think. I, I was going to go for someone like Christopher um, Walken. You kind of nabbed Oldman. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe someone like him, or some like slightly more obscure. Someone like who? I mean, I remember we had this. Um, we had a bit of a sort of, uh, there was a bit of, um, I don't know if you call it a bromance, but uh, for um, when we were younger, Michael Bean wasn't there. You know, I might sort of add <laughs> something about someone who nearly made it, but then didn't. Because he, he was on the cusp, wasn't he, really? Of, of he... You know, he did a lot of big movies, James Cameron movies. And he did a... Um, he did a, some Jerry Bruckheimer. I think he was in The Rock with um, Sean Connery and Nick Cage. Yeah, he's like one of the SWAT team. How was he? But um, is he still going? yeah, he's still, he's still. But it's sort of straight stuff, to or? DVD or whatever the term is, video. It's straight to video kind of horror stuff now. So, uh, what was that? He did a. Really good yeah, um, TV movie killer. where he was a. I can't think of it's called off the top of my head. Yeah, but, I can't remember what. But he was brilliant in that, and he. I'll tell you, he's also really, really good. good in a really obscure, um, William Friedkin movie. 
see he's he's another guy i might have to do, you know a director oh, right. we're talking directors i might have to do william Freakin at some point but he's in a film called rampage that i don't even think you can get in the uk on dvd or blu-ray or anything i've got an old vhs copy of it and um he's basically a cop who's hunting this serial killer um and it's kind of a very deranged film um i think it was a lot around a lot of time when there was a lot of fascination with serial killers you had stuff like uh you had Science of the Lambs and um, uh, Manhunter and stuff like that. Sort of a light, it was a late 80s kind of serial killer movie. There was quite a few around that around that time. And then, of course, the big one was Science of the Lambs. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a really good film. It's called Rampage. And um, I don't I think it's very I don't think many people have even ever heard of it. But I mean, it's, you know, it's William Freakin, you know, he was kind of still a pretty big thing in the eighties, but he'd done to live and die in LA, for instance. It was, it was either before that. Yeah. That's freaking, isn't it? Oh yeah. That's the William Defoe, isn't it's it? And, um, is it William Peterson? William Defoe, William Peterson, who was in Manhunter. That's Who's in? Yeah. Yeah. But that's He's in uh, Manhunter. Yeah. It kind yeah. of fits between, um, Freakin's French Connection work and and I think I'm sure it was before To Live and Die in LA but it might have been after but if you ever get a chance to watch it it's worth a watch um, it's very very stylistic as you might expect from Freakin I hear he's doing some documentary about exorcism at the moment um, oh right he's got to be 80 how old is he? he? must be because I, I, I recently bought The Sorcerer I'd never seen that film the, the the wages oh, of fear. Yeah, I've uh, never remake, seen that. Uh, you, I think you were telling me about it, isn't it? Where they're they're in a truck and they're trying to drive these nitroglycerine. Yeah, they got his nitroglycerine, nitroglycerine um, or barrels. Something. They're trying to. It's like some tin pot third world country, and they're trying to get this. Um, yeah, nitroglycerine from one p- part of the island to the other without it blowing up basically because it's so volatile and it's got another favorite actor of mine in it roy scheider or is it schneider is it roy schneider oh yeah schneider yeah roy schneider isn't it i don't want to get confused with rob schneider that would be horrendous i don't know and you um you shattered my Illusion that uh, Rob Schneider or Scheider. Yeah, I, is, I don't know where. He's not his son. I, think I just thought like Schneider, Roy Schneider, Roy Schneider, Roy Schneider. I'll have to double check. But I just thought it's such an unusual name that there can't be two actors called Schneider or Scheider. So he must be, so they must be related, but they, they're not related. But they're not. Which is, because I'm, I'm pretty sure their their names are spelled differently. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, you wouldn't That's really want to be. Way. I mean, related to Roy Schneider, would you? Roy, um, sorry, Rob Schneider. I, I'm walking, and I'm going to get just a copy of. I've got a. I'm just looking on my DVD case. Where's Blue Thunder? Because then I can tell you exactly what the spelling of Roy Schneider's name is. <laughs> and look at that! I can't bloody find it. Typical, isn't it? Don't know. Write in and tell us. I don't know. Can you write in? Send a send a thought wave. <laughs> send something. Send send money. 
Oh, there it is, Blue Thunder. Hold on, I'll tell you. It is Roy... It is, it is Roy Scheider. So I think it's Rob Schneider, isn't Schneider. it? So it's Roy Schneider. Oh, anyway, yeah, we could talk about Roy Schneider because, all oh, right, everyone knows him from Jaws and Jaws 2. But it's, there's a whole lot more to Roy, Roy Schneider than that. Um, one of which is, um, yeah, uh, Sorcerer. Which, um, according to Mark Commode, hmm. is a masterpiece. And he says, according to him, better than The Exorcist. And I don't, I don't think I'd go that far. Really? There. Very much a, for me, it's very much a film of two halves. The first half, um, I know we're getting onto another film here, but um, the first half is, uh, is the setup's a little bit over long, I thought, because they're getting all these characters together, you know, they're, and they're all misfits, and you know, there's all the, they all come from different walks of life, so they all clash. But but the setup to all this is seems to be, it seems to take a little bit long to get going. And then the actual sort of nuts and bolts of the film is over quite quickly. You know, the actual transportation mm. of the nitroglycerin to the other end of the island seems to be um, quite rushed. Um, but 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 though the the second half of the film, or maybe or maybe it's more probably the the third, the last third of the film is very tense and exciting. So it kind of it nearly makes up for the sort of slow burn beginning but for me not quite i mean for me the the exit is a bloody masterpiece you know i'd never get tired of watching that film that's oh, that that scared the life out yeah of me oh yeah scared the living shit out of me oh my god oh yeah and, and but it's just such an amazing it's it's just such a unique film you there's never been another film like it i mean you you get all these jump scare crappy horror films nowadays like the last exorcism and all these other you know, crappy knockoffs, but nothing will ever have the power of the power. The you know, the power of Christ compels you. But well, no other film has Max von Sydow in it as well. <laughs> well, apart from the films with Max von Sydow in it. Well, maybe we, there's there's another one, Max von Sydow hour. <laughs> I'm sure, I could talk an hour about Max von Sydow. I mean, yeah, yeah. What? A the guy just looks career, he's, never, he's never aged he's always looked old isn't he but he's, he's always looked old so he just never yeah. he's, it's like he's ageless i'm sure you know i'm sure he's he must have drunk from the fountain of eternal youth or something or eternal age or eternal life or something because he how old is he, is he 200 years old i mean he looked about some well, yeah i mean he looked he looked about 170 like i mean i know they made him look older but and that was in the wasn't that the sixties or something? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, another, another class yeah. act. Yeah, uh, another. Uh, I've just thought of someone else that I would like to maybe talk about one uh, another time. Ah, Freddie. Um, Freddie you've Jones. Got you've got an anecdote about Freddie. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? Yeah. Are you gonna save your anecdote until the Freddie Jones retrospective? Save that. I think you just like, tease people, yeah. just tease people with it. You've um, got an anecdote, haven't you? Um, I've got an anecdote about a um, a signed photograph of Freddie Jones. Tell um, the good people. Tell I, the good people where they may have seen uh, Freddie Jones. Uh, they may have seen him in uh, various 
David Lynch films um, such as... He's in June, um, yes, he's he in June, June yeah. He's in June, isn't he? He's in, um, yep. obviously, The Elephant Man. Um, and he's in... He's is it, um, in, is it oh, one of the Twin Peaks movies? He's in that one. Oh, the, the twin, um, the Twin Peaks movie. I he's in what? Not far walk with me, isn't he in there? Possibly. What was the what? Well, you got to do the impersonation there. But what was the one that I? I, I mean, I've just put this. I've just kind of you know, thrown this on you. But I mean, you're going to do an impersonation. What is that from? Oh, he's in Wild at Heart. From right, cue, Wild at Heart. Cue the impersonation, please. His only sort of dialogue is... I'll tell you what, that's what? class. That was like Freddie Jones was in the yeah. room with me now. Good? So, but, but we'll, we'll, yeah, so just tease the, we'll tease the, you know, the adoring public with a Freddie Jones anecdote and then you'll have, when you do your Freddie Jones retrospective. Um, yeah, because he's, like, if you, if you go on IMDB and look up Freddie Jones... And you look at his career; it spans from David Lynch to it now. Is Emmerdale, he isn't is it? in Emmerdale, which is a. He's been in Emmerdale for about five, oh, maybe more years. Like you know, Bill actor's got to eat. Um, he's yeah. I mean, he he yeah. Again, another looks, one, isn't he? Another he's one. always been old. He's he's always. I don't know when Eight, uh, well, um, the I Elephant Man was 80, filmed, so it's probably but, um, wasn't it? Yeah, so I mean, that's however long that very, is. There seems to be and, a very particular uh, sort of kind of actor who they like. Um, I, I would put Freddie Jones, obviously Max von Sydow. Um, you know, you could probably put um, John Hurt into that. They've always looked old, and John Hurt pretty much stayed yes. the same, didn't he? Like yeah. for for like. 40 years or whatever. Um, That's right. Like yeah, frozen strange, in time, aren't strange. Yeah. No, no, young, exactly. Because sort of. they didn't even really look young when they were young, did they? <laughs> so, that, yeah. No, it's maybe that's the yeah. that's the sort of trick, isn't it? To look like you're preserved in amber or something. Well, that's it. They were character Great actors. Character exactly. actors, don't they? Because like they probably of, went. Uh, we want a. We want a lived. face. Get get me a. You can imagine the studio's ex, can't you? Saying, "Get yeah. me a face," and they'd get you a Freddie Jones or a Max von yeah. Sydow or a you know John Hurt or whatever. Yeah. So, do you think um, is that? Should we wrap that up for our first podcast? Our inaugural. Yeah, I think that's pretty oh, good. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. A Norgrill podcast, or spodcast, I should say. So this was Calvin's yes. uh, movies that changed my life. And maybe, I think probably what I will do for mine, just to do a little teaser for the next one. I think I'm going to, I did a little think about this today and I was thinking, <clears throat> what to choose? Um, because Star Wars was basically the film that changed my life, but that's probably the film that changed bloody thousands of people's lives because that was the first film that I saw post-Disney movies, really. So it was like every film I'd seen previous to that was like a Disney film. So 
I was used to like cartoons and animated, you know, cute little creatures and blah, 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 and dwarfs and um, Bambi and all that kind of stuff. And I think that was the first live action film that I saw and it blew my tiny mind. But everyone's done, everyone's done Star Wars. So I'm, I'm going to do, which blew my mind just as much in a, perhaps a slightly smaller way. Um, and when I saw it several years later, I think probably on TV, but I'm going to, but there is a connection there um, kind of, because it's science fiction and I'm going to do silent running. Um, but, but that's for next time. Ah. Unless I change my mind and do something completely okay. different, of course. Good choice. So I would just like to say thank you for listening, if you listened. Um, thanks to the cat, if that was listening. And, you know, all the animals that were also tuning in. And and I, and I personally will like, hope, well, hope you can make it back and like to do this again sometime. So Ashley yeah. Beeching, okay. signing out. Yep. And Kelvin Millen signing out. Um, till the next time. Bye. On Spodcast. <laughs>